Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. Romans 5 is, you guys, some of you may or may not realize in, in, in um, Christian leadership circles and theological circles, they call Romans the Magna Carta of Christianity. Every necessary truth that Christianity deals with is found in Romans 5. It's a foundational document. Okay, so th- th- there's parts of Romans, uh, really all of Romans, we'll never get away from. And I didn't intend to preach on Romans 5 today, and so this is obviously, this is absolutely out of the... the the unction of my heart. I pray it's the unction of the Holy Spirit, but um, it's necessary for us sometimes to get back to what's, what, what should be, what God says about things, and look at life, all of life, from that perspective, okay? And, uh, well, I'm ringing a little bit, Trav. I don't know if you say something about the sound, but it's, it's woo, ringy, ringy up here. Okay, therefore, um, we're going to look at Romans 5, which opens with the verse 1, which says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Since we have faith, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, Everything trickles down from that statement right there. Being made right with God through Christ. Being made right to our Heavenly Father because of the sacrifice of His Son. Being made right with God is the point of all of life. It, nothing else matters. We have peace not because things are going well. And we have peace not because everybody likes us. And we have peace not because of what we see on the news. We have peace not because we feel good in our bodies. We have peace not because of those things. We have peace because we are made right with God. And if you have no peace this morning, my question would be to you, what is interrupting the the, the thing between you and God? Right now, if you're a follower of Christ and there's not peace, the problem is not God. He's already dished out peace. He distributes peace through the relationship he has with you because of his son. Okay? Because of the sacrifice of Christ Jesus on the cross, he opens the doorway for peace that Paul would say in another passage of Scripture that passes all understanding. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense to have that kind of peace. When your coworkers look at you and go, what is wrong with you? Don't you realize what they just said about what's going to happen next week? And you go, dude, it's all good. And they're like, what do you mean it's all good? I mean, it's all good because God is all good. And you, and you begin to walk in that kind of thing. Well, well, what happened? well, didn't you just go to the doctor? Yeah, I just went to the doctor. Well, you, what did he say? Well, he said this, that, and the other thing. Well, you ought to be wigging out. No, I'm at peace. You know why? I'm right with God. Think, things may not always be as I want them to be. But in trust, where's Athena? In trust, I believe God's got it all figured out. And because I believe he's got it all figured out, there's this, there, there's this addition of peace to my life that's not based on what happens, but it's based on who he is and who I get to be in him. Okay? 
Well, I wasn't going to go here. And I even told the people back there, I said, I don't know what's going to happen today because I just don't have it. And I begged and pleaded with God to do something different today because I just wanted to sit and be still, if I could really be honest. I told him, I said, I just, just don't have it. But all of a sudden, I feel like I got, I, Jim walked up and he, he, he messed me up. It's your fault, Jim. He walked up just before I started. He said, dude, got your game face on? I'm like, I'm working on it. He said, dude, leave it all out on the field. I said, well, okay. If that's what I need to do, I'll just do it. God, because of what Christ has already done, part of us, part of the reason we don't have peace is because we're not satisfied with what he's already done. We keep thinking we need more. We have peace, not because of what will happen tomorrow, but because of what happened 2,000 years ago. We have peace. Patrick has peace today, not because of what's going to happen tomorrow, because of what happened on July the 16th. Is that right? 14th, 1991. What happened? He came right face to face with the cross of Jesus and could not turn in any other direction but, but, but kneel down there. He has peace, not because of what will happen, but because of what has already happened. I don't have peace because of what's going to go on tomorrow or this week or even later this afternoon. I have peace because God is good and he displayed his goodness because he took Jesus like this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If you can't get peace out of that, there's not peace to give you. Well, you don't know what happened this week. I don't need to know. I know what happened 2,000 years ago. Not only did Jesus hang on a cross, he defeated death three days later. He, he, kicked, he kicked the hole in the tomb, man, and walked around to heaven, man, what, what, what the Bible tells us, and provided a way for us. He made a way. Now, I realize your lives may not be all you want them to be. I get that. My life rarely has measured up the way I wanted it to, honestly. I, I mean, I, I, there, there, there are so many jogs and turns on this journey, it's, uh, it's unbelievable, I mean, I, 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 I sit back and if I worked out, if my plans would have worked, it's hard to tell where I'd be. Where's Chuck at? Chuck and I were talking earlier, man, how we hate winter. Dude, I would love to be any place but Ohio in wintertime, I promise. And I know y'all love the leaves and stuff. Yes, it was about a perfect day. You know why? Because it hung out about 70 degrees. And then I was happy. But I know what's coming. I have a hard time keeping my attitude right some days. Hallelujah. I know some of y'all like winter. I keep trying to tell y'all, winter came after the curse. They say this thing was a greenhouse. I'm just saying. I'm okay with you liking winter. It's cool, man. It really is. But, 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 but uh, for me, I, and, and so, so I, I, could, I could lose a lot of peace. Especially when I raked, well, I didn't really, I get, where's my wife at? My wife raked the front yard for me on, on Friday. I was going to mulch them up with a mower. I walked out to the front yard with the mower, and the leaves were already raked into a pile. I went, wow, okay, that's good. By yesterday afternoon, guess what? The yard needed raked again. I'm like, man, really? I could get really outside of peace. I know that silly stuff. And I know some of you are sitting here right now with a lot bigger deals than just whether the leaves are on the front yard or not. I get that. But I'm trying to convey to you, if I base my stuff on physical things, on temporal things, if I base my peace and my hope and on, on things that are merely, they will change by the minute. They will change by the second. They will change with the weather. 
And, and so I, I got to not be there. He goes, he goes on to say, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Oh, that's beautiful. Confidently and joyfully look for God's glory, right? Sharing in that glory. We look forward to that. That means one thing that keeps me going in this attitude of peace is not looking at what might happen tomorrow. What keeps me going forward is what, might be ha- what, what will happen at that one moment when Jesus determines he's had enough. And he's going to set the whole thing in order. We want to do that right now. The Bible says in 2 Peter, it's because of his patience. He's not willing that anybody should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The reason we have to keep dealing with the stuff in this life that we have to deal with is, you know why? It's because there are people who have yet to come to repentance. You want to get Jesus here soon? Get on your mission. Who's your mission? Your mission is your family. Your mission is your neighbors. Your mission is your coworkers. Your mission is that that person across the street you've had a hard time trying to make a connection with. Your, 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 your mission is, is that next person whom God brings across your path. And for whatever reason, he gives you a heart for them, regardless of how they treat you. And you can't even understand it. Get on your, some of you right sitting here right now have been waiting for a long time for God to illuminate his plan for you. And you know what happened? Uh, several years ago, maybe two decades ago, I don't know. He spoke to you something really profoundly that you knew was him and you let life get in the way. And you decided to live like everybody else because of what might happen tomorrow. And God said, I don't want that for you. I want you to go be something for me. And we we, 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 we have this faith, this trust that God is all and in all. And we need nothing else. We, We look confidently and joyfully forward that we might share in his glory. You know what keeps me going? anymore and i say this a lot every time we sing we sing a song where it talks about standing before jesus i just about lose it man i can't really stand it one day i'm gonna get to stand in front of him and he's not gonna ask me hey how did everybody like you he's not gonna he's not gonna say anything to me about hey i'm glad you know you padded that bank account. I'm not going to say, you know, I'm glad you kept your yard trimmed. He's not going to say to me, he's going to say one of two things. Well done, good and faithful servant. Or he's going to say, depart from me. I don't know you. Scariest piece of scripture in the whole book is Matthew 7, 21, man. You ought to read it. Because there are these people who think they're good to go. And they go through the laundry list. Do, 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 do. We did this, we did that, la, 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 la. And he goes, um, excuse me? Do I know you? Ooh, crazy. You see, if I am looking forward to his coming, then I have to look forward to accomplishing what he's doing in me, allowing him to accomplish what he's doing in me, and accomplishing what he wants to do through me. There's only way I can look forward. And some of you are without peace. You know why? Because you are stuck today and yesterday, and you can't look forward because you can't even stay on the mission. You, 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 you know that if Jesus would come right now, he'd have to go, um, thanks, but I don't know what that was all about. 
If you give Jesus a scratch on the head, he's like, I don't, I don't know what, 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 what was going on there. Did, didn't you see the value I placed on your life? Why didn't you place the same value on your life? Why didn't you place the same value on other people's life, lives? Lives. That's bad English in case anybody's wondering. I look forward because my, my intention, my hope is not just to be found with a laundry list. My hope and my intention is to be found with his heart and his mind carrying out his plans and his purposes. That's why I look forward. And that's why we can have peace. Because we have faith in him that he will lead us in the right. The word faith doesn't mean just really to believe. It means absolutely, like Athena said, to have trust. That if he tells me he wants me to do something, he's absolutely going to make good on his end of the bargain. And he wouldn't lead me into a place for my destruction. He will lead me to, into a place for his glory and my benefit and for the help and, and for the purpose of, of giving others the, the message of the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ. And that may mean I do things that don't make sense to some people. And that may mean I do certain things that people go, dude, that's absolutely bizarre. What are you doing? It made, it, it, it made no sense uh, for, for Gideon to march into, an, march into a fight with 300 people. But God said, trust me. Trust me. And what did God do? God made good on his end, didn't he? It makes no sense for Peter to get out of a perfectly good boat and start walking on perfectly wishy-washy water. Made no sense. But Jesus said, it's me. Come on, Peter. And who met him out there? Jesus met him. Didn't make sense. Faith means, God, I trust you to the nth degree. Whatever you want from my life, whatever you need from my life, however you want my life to go, I would just walk out there with you. It didn't make sense for Moses to turn around and go back to the place where he was wanted for murder. Made no sense. It made no sense for him to march right back into Pharaoh's chamber and demand a certain way because he was a condemned criminal, a fugitive. Made no sense. But God said, trust me, Moses, I got this. Right? And so if we're going to walk this thing out and we look, look forward to what's to come, we've got to absolutely operate not just in belief, but trust. See, belief is right here. Faith is the combination of belief and trust that translates into outward life. Okay, it translates in God's heart and God's mind being conveyed. It translates in God's actions being carried out. It translates in not, in not just merely a list, a laundry list of things to do, but in a, in a, in a life that, that's lived as if Christ were living through them. That's an amazing thought, isn't it? Are we not called the body of Christ? Should he not be lived out through our lives? How do you think Jesus intended to, that, 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 that saying of, 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 of greater works than he did shall we do? Huh? He intended for the body to be the body. And the magnitude of what he carried out in three, three and a half, three, and three years. That John wrote would be this. So voluminous there wasn't enough books in the world to contain it. He's not talking about my life singularly doing that. He's talking about my life linking arms with another life and linking arms with another life and another life. And all of a sudden, collectively together, because we are in the kingdom, we are, we are doing more than he ever could have accomplished by himself. 
He kept entrusting the mission and the goal of ministry to other people, man. And he's telling us to look forward. You know why we can look forward? Because we are actively carrying that out. Now, when we actively carry that out, certain things happen, which is a, which is a great... Here, let's keep rolling to the next paragraph. He says this, we can rejoice too. In case you're wondering, that means also. Give you a little Greek lesson. Huh? Also. We can rejoice that, that he's coming and his glory's coming. We can rejoice in some other things as well. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Listen to those words. Some of you, you've tried to avoid the problem or the trial. And the very thing that would have solidified God's love for you, that would have strengthened your confident hope in him, you detoured. Not operating in faith, not operating in trust, maybe having a belief in God, but you took a detour. And the thing that would have fostered a, a, a deeper understanding of how aggressively and how amazingly and how confidently God loved you, you missed. And then you wonder why you're not looking forward to the day. You tried to avoid the issue. You tried to avoid the problem. Jesus is, is our amazing example because when the, when the problem stood in front of him, he ran right into it. Nevertheless, Father, not my will, your will be done. What was that? that was faith. That was belief and trust co colliding together in a garden where Jesus was under such great stress that his, that his sweat become as great drops of blood. He said, God, I want to do what you want to do. Father, help me to know. I want to run this thing out. Paul understood the depth of the love of God. Do you know why? When he knew in Acts that he was going to go to Jerusalem and they were going to imprison him, he ran there anyway. When he knew going to Rome would very much maybe for sure mean his imprisonment for a while and most likely probably could contain the end of his life, he ran there anyway. And he became such an advocate. He writes these words to the Roman people that we'd understand the love of God. First Corinthians, he'd, he'd unpack that. Why? Because he didn't avoid. He said, I've been through all sorts of stuff. I've been shipwrecked. I've been imprisoned. I've been stoned to, nearly to death. He goes through all this whole list, stripes and the whole nine yards. He says, listen, I understand the depth of the love of God. He met me right there in the middle of it. Remember a story Francis Chan told a few years ago about some Korean Christians who ran into Afghanistan when everything broke, up, broke open to go be missionaries. And they were, they were captured by the Taliban. And the, the pastor who had been there the longest was the younger of the two pastors. He'd been in ministry longer, but he was a younger in age, physical age. And there was, there was an older man who was also a pastor, but he was kind of like the mentor for the older man as he had a longer walk with Christ. And at one point, the Taliban made certain, certain demands upon the government that they would, for, to save these guys' lives. And the Taliban walks in and says, we're going to start taking you out one by one. And what happens? The two pastors start fighting about who gets to go first. Well, I'm the oldest. Well, I've been walking with Jesus longer than you have. 
If anybody's going to go first, it's going to be me. Run right into it. And after they were, after, after the, a few of them had, 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 had been killed by the Taliban. And a, a few months later, Francine had the awesome privilege of being with some of them. And he began to talk. He watched tears stream down their face. He said, what's wrong? This will sound bizarre to some of you. They said these words. Some days we long for the imprisonment. He's like, what? Some days we long to be back there. And they said, why? He said, why? And he said, because we never felt the presence of Jesus so strong in our, in our very lives. It was like he sat with us and ate with us and comforted us. Him, his very, him, he himself sat there with us. And there are days we give anything to be back there. Oh, man, give us an understanding of that, Jesus. We can rejoice too when problems come. We can rejoice too when God calls us into certain things. We can rejoice too when he says, listen, I want you to make this decision. Well, that doesn't seem like a wise decision, Jesus. He goes, trust me. I'm about to unpack how much I love you. Don't commit the detour. Don't take the other route. Take this one. It doesn't make sense carnally, Jesus. I know. Trust me, I know. And he says, I want you to see my love in a whole new light. And this hope will not lead. Listen, he says, we can rejoice too when we turn into problems, when we run into problems and trials. For we know they help us develop endurance. We all have need of endurance. The writer of Hebrews would have said that. He said, you have need of endurance after you have done the will of God that you might receive the promise. When what we do, we try and use the promises as an escape hatch. something's going to sound kind of harsh but just bear with me for a minute okay if you absolutely believe every second of every day you're supposed to be healthy wealthy and wise that is trash jesus jesus's life bears that out paul's life bears that out peter's life bears that out he, 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 nowhere in the, in the scripture does God proclaim those. Now, he does promise us that he will be with us thick and thin. Fiery furnace or no fiery furnace. He does promise us that when, when things come uncorked, he's going to diss out peace that passes understanding and joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. He does promise us that. And, 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 and there's all kinds of scriptures that tell us we need endurance. I read, read, I don't know if it was last week or when, when was it? it was, no, it was during staffing on, on, on Wednesday. In, in, in one of the epistles to the Corinthians, Paul writes these words that, that, talking about the, the, the people getting lost in the wilderness and how they began to grumble and complain. Dude, they were not slaves anymore. What else do they have to complain about? Are you kidding me, really? That's like us. God saves us from our own mess, and then we start grumbling and complaining when life doesn't go just right. And the Bible says there, in the, in the, in there that, that, that we should, there, there's no temptation overtaking us except that which is common. Now, the next thing he says is that, that, God, that, that God will provide a way. 
King James Version would say escape, which automatically in our Western minds means, hey, he's getting me out of here. It doesn't say that. Because the next line he says is, so that you may endure it. He's not talking about an escape hatch. He's talking about a way through. Are you hearing me? He's not talking about you. If, listen, if God just instantaneously, bam, fixes it, what faith does that take? The real bearing of faith is the endurance it takes to keep walking and to keep going and to keep running. We don't have need of endurance if the promise materializes like that. Bless God when he does that. He's sovereign. He can do what he wants to do. But for most of us, you know what he does? He walks with us through things. You know why? He wants to unpack his love and his grace so we see it in its fullness. Sometimes I let my kids go through things. Anybody ever done that? That's a foreign concept in modern day America, I know. Some days I let my kids make mistakes and then I nestle right up next to them and say, let's figure out how to fix this. You want to? And then they realize that daddy really does care and that daddy really is wise. Well, some days. (laughs) Daddy knows some things. When I'm right there close, they get it. Right in the middle of difficulty. Right in the middle of making really crazy life decisions. They realize that, you know what? I don't know what I'd have done if dad hadn't have been there. I don't know what I would have done if mom hadn't have been there. And we keep helping people avoid maturing in Christ because we keep trying to bail them out. Making excuses. Hand them money. And provide stuff for them. And what they need more than anything else is to understand the depth of the grace of God. The depth of the love of God, the depth of the truth of God, that it absolutely, their their hope would be founded not on my ability to help them, but on his ability to help them. Oh, man. This is real life, people. I'm not here to just give some homily. I'm not here just to make you feel good at the moment. You know what I'm here to do? I'm here to help you grow up in faith. That's what I'm really here to do. And I can tell you things that make you feel good when you leave, but if, you, if that's all it is, you feel good when you leave, and there's nothing that helps you withstand the storm of life. You know what? It doesn't matter. Am I perfect? No. Am I, have I got it all right? No, absolutely not. Nine-tenths of the problems I find myself dealing with in life are right related to this guy right here. He's weak at times. He cares too much what other people think at times. He, he, he's, he's scatterbrained, and he doesn't prioritize well. And I go through the whole list of stuff. And nine out of ten problems that I have are completely on this guy right here. But you know what's funny? God even uses those crazy things. He's, he's beautiful. Romans 8.28 tells me that, man. That, 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 that all things. Paul says, I know. You know how Paul knew? And I can write Romans 8 because he'd been through it, man. He went through the blow up with Silas over a dude named John Mark. No, was that Barnabas? It was Barnabas. Wrong guy, wrong partner. He had to go with Silas because Barnabas and him had a little parting of the ways over a little guy named John Mark. He knew it because he'd been in the shipwreck. He knew it. You know how he knew that? Because he'd been beaten. He knew. He knew. He said, now we know. That all things, A-double-L, all things work for the good of those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. 
Man, is that beautiful or what? Man, I, I, I think we lose, we lose sight of so many. And this hope leads us not to disappointment. It, listen, you're disappointed because you keep anticipating that God says certain things he doesn't say. He doesn't say that, that, that everything will be rosy and peachy. He doesn't say if you live for him, everything will go just the way it's supposed to. He doesn't say if you do make the decisions he wants you to make, everybody's going to like you. He doesn't say if, if you do what he asks you to do, that, 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 that tomorrow the checking account's going to be all right. He for sure doesn't say if you send $26.80, according to Isaiah 26, 8, that you're going to get, you're going to, everything's going to be all right tomorrow. I'm just telling you. If you give in to that stuff, that's crazy. It's no wonder you're disappointed. Because that is so far taken out of context, it's ridiculous. Now here, read on. We don't live, for we know how dearly God loves us. He's given the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. When we were utterly helpless, he keeps drawing us back to that point. You see that? Whatever you're in, whatever trouble you're in, keep going back to that point. When you were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time. He's not, he's not delayed, Patrick. Oh, my God, you will not delay. Now, I think those three guys in the furnace probably thought God was a little bit late. And I'm thinking that probably Peter, when the, when, when the bubble starts sticking up around his head, he's like, okay, where's Jesus at now? <laughs> he wasn't late. He was right on time. Right? I'm thinking the children of Israel, probably after 400 years of captivity, were thinking, hey, God, where are you? Daniel, inside the lion's den. Your deliverance would have been great about three hours ago, God. That would have been, oh, God, you will not delay we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time, and he died for us. See, Paul would write another point where he would go, if God did not basically save his own son, how will he he not give us the whole kingdom? He asked a rhetorical question. If God would go to that extent to start this thing, what extent will he go to to complete it? Hmm? When we were utterly helpless... If you keep trying to help yourself, you quit. Well, you know the Bible says that God helps those that help themselves. That is a lie. That is no place in the scripture. God, the, the cliche should say God helps them who can't help themselves. And then we all qualify. Huh? This isn't some hierarchy deal we're walking. This is some journey we're on. This is some, this is some, some, some direction we're headed now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, Paul would write. I mean, think of the most, you know, most good, I don't know if that's a good word, what's that? Think of the best person. There's better English. Think of the best person you can think of right now, the best person, person of integrity, person you can count on, person, now, now say, now, now think of yourself going, I'll let my own and only child die for that person. How many of you are signing up in that volunteer line? Not gone dead. <laughs> Wouldn't be prudent, right? At this juncture. Hmm? Not gone dead, right? 
Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though some might be perhaps willing to die for a person who is especially good. Verse 8, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Did you catch that? Rewind. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, listen to the tense here. This is past tense. Our friendship was restored. Okay? You got it? Our friendship with God was restored by the death of the son. While we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Something happened a long time ago. Jesus died on a cross. At that moment, God's intention was to restore all of humanity back to friendship with himself. Okay? But he didn't stop there. He restored himself to life. And we will be saved. He's talking about the ultimate salvation. One place he says, we, 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 while we wait for the redemption of our lives, the, the, whole, the, whole, the, whole, the whole of creation yearns and groans for that moment, for that redemptive moment. See, we're, not, we're just in process, right? We, are, we have been saved. Our friendship has been restored. But right now, we're in the process of being saved. We're in the process of coming into Christ's likeness. We're in the process of, 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 of incorporating our friendship with God into the friendships we have and the relationships we have. We're in the process right now of not looking at things selfishly, but looking at things otherishly. We're in the process of turning the center of life off of ourselves and turning the center of life onto the person of Christ. We're in the process of learning to carry out the mission and the purposes of God, not our own. We're in the process, and that's a daily thing. Jesus would say these words. I must pick up my, you must pick up your cross daily and follow me. It has more that there's an instantaneous moment where God brings us into relationship with himself, and then he says, keep walking. Keep walking. Grab my hand. Grab that cross and let's keep rolling. Quit, quit trying to avoid the problem. A cross represented death. A cross represented not, not a nice piece of gold jewelry or an ornament hanging on a wall. It represented execution. He said, pick the thing up and let's walk with it. It is no longer I that lives, Paul would write, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, right? I live by faith. Belief and trust in the Son of God who gave himself for me. He keeps going back to that point and back to that point and back to that. That is the thing that solidifies the rest of our days, the rest of our lives, the rest of our worship, the rest of our giving, the rest of everything is based on that one moment that continues to be lived out at a momentary basis. That's it. That's all that there is. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is in this. Love and joy and peace in the Holy, in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. But Paul is the guy who's writing who also says, there's all kinds of things, life, life, there's all kinds of things that life throws at you. And he says, I have those things in spite of all those other things. 
I have love. I have joy. I have peace. Why? Because I'm walking this journey with Jesus. I trust him to the nth degree to, 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 to not just make me feel good. He, I trust him to the nth degree to lead me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And in that leading, he will lead me at times beside still waters and green pastures. And at times, that journey will lead me right into the valley of the shadow of death. But I'll fear no evil. I will not fear. Right? I want to sing that militantly, not like really ooshy-gooshy. You know what I mean? I will not fear. Your promise is true. My God will come. I'm going to chant it like, ooh-ah. Right? Ah, ooh, whatever it is. Ooh-rah, ah, ooh, whatever. We got a Marine and a Spartan over there. I don't know which is. I want to, I want to do that because I, I'm in the process. God's not done yet. He's not done with any of us. Listen, what God wants more than anything for our lives is this. We've been talking about simplify to simplify. Is that he would truly be that. That, 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 that he would be the one we trust. We have to let go of things. We have to let go of stuff. We have to let go of relationships. We have to let go of, of, of things on our schedule. We have to let go of, of things that, that make us feel good about how, how we do church. We live, when, we, when we have to do, let go of certain titles and, and responsibilities, when we have to turn the corner and, and do something new, he, he's the one who's saying, listen, just trust me. I got it. Trust me. I'm with you. Trust me, I know not just a way, I know the way, because I'm him. For since our freedom was restored by the death of the Son, while we were still enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his Son. So now, Father, going through all that whole dissertation, he says, so now, at this moment, at this space, wherever life is, at this, at this juncture of life, so now, so now, so now we can rejoice. So now you can rejoice. So now the circumstance should not make you rejoice or not to rejoice. The frustration should not make you to rejoice or not to rejoice. The, 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 the good things shouldn't, shouldn't necessarily help you rejoice. The bad things shouldn't hinder you from rejoicing. Because one thing is solid and for sure He's given you a pathway to friendship with himself. Is that what he says? So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Don't seek peace outside of him. Don't seek peace outside of walking with him. Don't seek peace in a job. Don't seek peace and live in the right neighborhood. Don't seek peace in your function at Church Triumphant. Don't seek peace in, in the amount of extra cash you have and whatever accounts you have. Don't seek peace because of out of what car you drive. Don't seek peace out of things that are merely temporal. Find your peace in the person of Christ in the work of his Holy Spirit, in your connection to the Father in heaven. Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant. 
another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org.